homeless campers have a new option. I'm really fearful that we're going to get a lot more tent cities in Vancouver. The park board's decision to allow overnight camping in city parks. BC businessman and philanthropist David Sadu is sentenced to U.S. prison. What the judge says about the cheating scandal that brought him down. And has Lori Throness been thrown out? It's a condition of being part of our caucus that there is no room for discrimination of any sort. The status of a liberal MLA accused of homophobia. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC businessman and philanthropist David Sadu has been sentenced to 90 days behind bars in the U.S. and he must pay a $250,000 fine. After reaching a deal, Sadu pleaded guilty for his part in the Varsity Blues college admissions scam, having paid for someone else to take the SAT exams for his two sons. Ted Chernecki has the details. Move out of the way, guys. When asked if he had anything to say before sentencing, David Sadu told the court that he was sorry and accepts his sentence unconditionally. Then, his voice breaking, he said, To my wife and boys, all I ever wanted was your love and respect, and to be a good role model. And I know I've made a terrible mistake that deeply affected our family. I hope that in time, that people won't judge me on the worst moment of my life. In agreeing to the plea bargain, Justice Gorton said, I am appalled as to how you find yourself about to be sentenced for a felony. You are quite evidently an intelligent businessman, and yet you have committed a crime that displays an unbelievable lack of integrity, morality, and common sense. You have let your selfish desires, your pride, and your enormous wealth overcome all that you apparently want to stand for. It was clear those 18 character reference letters helped convince the judge that some leniency was justified. Senior politicians, heavyweights in the sports uh, area, uh, are counted on by the court as verifiable character witnesses. Uh, These references indicate a future path of the wrongdoer. The future path leads to good things based on the written testimony of the supporters. Under the applicable United States guidelines, your crime would certainly warrant more than three months in jail. But I have accepted your binding agreement with the government because there are indeed extenuating circumstances here. Sadhu paid $200,000 to have someone else write SAT exams for his two sons that ultimately got them into prestigious U.S. colleges. He must turn himself in to U.S. authorities no later than September 23rd, serve a 90-day sentence somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. His $250,000 fine is to come out of the $750,000 he posted as bail, meaning he'll be entitled to a $500,000 U.S. refund later. Ted Chernacki, Global News. The Park Board has given the green light to overnight camping in Vancouver parks, but the amended bylaw is far from clear. Jordan Armstrong is live in Point Grey tonight in Jordan. Obviously, many would argue this problem extends way beyond the Park Board's mandate. So what have we heard from the city on this? Well, we tried to get some answers from City Hall today, Chris, but no luck. We are live along Point Grey Road, and this is known as BC's Golden Mile because it's home to some of the most expensive real estate in the province. Now, there are no official campgrounds here, but as you can see, there are a number of beautiful waterfront parks. And if people decide to camp in one of these parks overnight, it sounds like they'll now have the Park Board's blessing. 
This sign just got old. The park board will allow people in parks overnight if they're homeless and want to put up a tent. The 4-3 decision was passed early Wednesday after two days of hearings and with the support of the Cope Green Alliance. It is not our jurisdiction, but what's happening is that it's playing out on our jurisdiction. He says the vote was necessary because the previous bylaw forbidding camping anywhere, anytime in parks was deemed unconstitutional by the courts. So how does the board plan to enforce this new rule? With a lot of work. And as I said, I'm worried as well. We do not have the capacities because we're already stretched to the max with the current homeless crisis in our parks. This opposition commissioner says the uncertainty around enforcement is just one reason she voted against overnight camping. No, I don't think there is the sense that there's going to be enforcement. Vancouver has just over a dozen rangers to patrol 240 parks. I'm worried about the escalation. Uh, we have Strathcona, and that's uh, turning into this massive um, takeover of that neighborhood's park. We had Oppenheimer. I'm really fearful that we're going to get a lot more tent cities in Vancouver. Park Board staff have said the revised bylaw isn't designed to dismantle large existing encampments like the one at Strathcona, but instead prevent new ones from popping up. The rules, if enforced, are tents must be contained to a 3 meter by 3 meter area and must be 25 meters from a school or playground. But where's the city in all of this? Homelessness and housing aren't in the Park Board's mandate. What's the city's role? Calls and a visit to the mayor's office got no response. All right, Jordan, if there are new tents going up tonight, what time are they supposed to come down in the morning? Officially 7 a.m., Chris, but they also voted to allow for a one-hour grace period. So it's 8 o'clock before they would even consider any type of enforcement, Chris. All right, Jordan. Thank you. A strange and concerning discovery along some trails in Port Coquitlam. Two lemons filled with sewing needles have been found in Gates Park and in another trail over the past couple of weeks. The first was seen hanging from a branch in the park June 22nd. The second was reported July 14th, tied to a branch near a trail by the Coquitlam River at White Avenue. Both had been wrapped in twine and had been pierced several times. RCMP are trying to determine a motive. The needles in these lemons were quite large. It is possible that the motive was perfectly innocent from the person who put these needles in public, but due to the fact there were needles, we need to learn more. We need to find out exactly what the motive might have been. A reminder from health officials today as we expand our bubbles to be wary of the delicate balance of socializing more but minimizing and managing new cases as they emerge. We have 21 new infections today bringing our total to 3,149. Thankfully, no new deaths, so that number holds at 189. 14 people are in hospital, five of them in ICU, no change to either of those numbers. 2,753 people have recovered, which leaves us with 207 active cases. We'll bring in Keith Baldry now, who joins us with a little more on this. Keith, you've got some interesting new numbers about serology testing, and that is mm -hmm. uh, the system that looks for specific antibodies in the blood. 
Yeah, very interesting study released today from some eminent UBC scientists and researchers contains some interesting information that basically shows, as we suspected, not a lot of COVID-19 has been in BC right from the get-go. So here's what their findings uh, of a study that's going to get more detail tomorrow in a response from Dr. Bonnie Henry. First of all, uh, their conclusion after looking at uh, sample blood samples of uh, more than 1,500 people, less than 1% of the population are infected with COVID-19, and that was in March and May. And they concluded the true infection rate, everybody's always asking this, how much COVID is actually out there? They think it's eight times the number of positive test results. That means that by their calculation, 25,000 people have come down with the virus since the start of the pandemic. And But there's a double-edged sword here. The low infection rate means the virus now has more room to grow should it come back here in greater numbers. A point picked up on by Health Minister Adrian Dix when we caught up with him earlier today. I think British Columbians can see themselves in these numbers. In the very low level of community transmission, uh, that has occurred with COVID-19 in BC. Of course, this is, as the study suggests, uh, a dual-edged question, a low level of transmission, but also uh, very few people uh, with antibodies to deal with, uh, with potentially future spikes of COVID-19. So there will be more expanded uh, talks and analysis of this study uh, tomorrow by Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health A uh, Minister Adrian Dix at the regular 3 p.m. briefing. One final thing, Chris, uh, the BC Centre for Disease Control just posted on their website four more flights where COVID-19 has been exposed. I invite people to check those numbers out. If you've got yourself or your relatives have been on flights recently, check out the Centre for Disease Control website because they're updating regularly on exposed uh, flights across Canada. All right. Good advice. Thanks, Keith. A new report says 60% of small businesses in B.C. are currently open and operating, but three-quarters have taken on debt during the pandemic that will take more than a year to pay off. As Nadia Stewart reports, it's been a challenging time for many small business owners just to keep their doors open. After having survived the worst of the pandemic... So this is uh, the Celadon Bowl. Russell Louie is just happy the store where he works was able to reopen. All of Main Street here looked basically like a ghost town. The one thing missing was tumbleweed coming down the center of Main Street. Louie says customers have been good to them. Business is now starting to pick up. But there was a time when it was touch and go. And he says many of the store's Main Street neighbors did not make it. When I left, everybody was closed up. There was no for lease signs anywhere. I come back three and a half months later and uh, empty shops with for lease signs on the window. They left during that time. For the businesses who stayed, another thing has happened since that time. According to a recent survey by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, 60% of businesses are now fully open, while only 26% say revenue has returned to normal. But surviving meant taking on debt, which on average amounts to nearly $130,000. Even really established businesses with loyal clientele are saying that they're just not sure they can outrun their debt. Laura Jones of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says many businesses worry it will take more than a year to get back to black. Jones says a combination of customer support and government relief programs are key. One of the big, big challenges for businesses right now remains rent payments. That program is not working for a lot of businesses that need it. So we need to fix that so we can get the money straight to the people um, who need the help. 
Louis is optimistic they will survive, but he wonders how neighborhood businesses will evolve and the opportunity and challenges that comes with that. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Calls to remove an MLA from caucus. NDP Spencer Chandra Herbert targets liberal MLA and child health critic Lori Thrones over allegations of homophobia. What party leader Andrew Wilkinson says about the fuss in just over a minute. The Twitter accounts of high-profile politicians and celebrities hacked what the scammers got away with. Coming up on the News Hour, And the monarch finding a modern way to stay in touch. What the Queen discussed during this Zoom meeting coming up later. Right now, though, an NDP MLA wants the B.C. Liberal children's critic thrown out of caucus over taxpayer-funded ads in a Christian magazine known for its anti-LGBTQ2 views. Andrew Wilkinson promised to review party ad policies after his MLAs placed holiday greetings in that same controversial publication. But as Richard Zussman reports, it's alleged that Laurie Throness continues to buy ads. B.C. Liberal MLA Lori Thronis wasn't at the B.C. Legislature Wednesday, but he was the centre of discussion. The MLA for Chilliwack Kent being accused of homophobia by an openly gay NDP member of the Legislature. If Mr. Wilkinson is going to act against homophobia and transphobia in his party, he should demonstrate it. Spencer Tranger Herbert sending this letter to the Liberal leader on Wednesday. If there's no room for homophobia and transphobia in your party, it reads, you will eject Lori Thronis from your caucus. Failing that, you'll act and remove this MLA from his role as children's critic. If Andrew Wilkinson wants to follow up his words and actually act, he would remove this man from this position. The issue stems from advertising in Light magazine. Concerns were brought forward and the B.C. Liberals decided to no longer advertise in the publication. The magazine has published articles in support of conversion therapy and against SOGI 123, the province's sexual orientation program in schools. Discrimination of any kind has no place in our caucus. This issue has been discussed and agreed to by all members and will be adhered to. Premier John Horgan weighing in on the issue on Twitter. Many Liberal MLAs have apologized for advertising in Light magazine, but Thronis hasn't. There's a reason that the federal government is looking to make it a crime. Uh, conversion therapy leads to self-harm, it leads to suicide. Thronis did not respond to requests for comment. When asked whether he's comfortable with the MLA in his caucus, Wilkinson said this. We have an agreement within our caucus that there is no room for discrimination of any sort, including transphobia or homophobia. Vancouver's Pride Society says they're surprised over a lack of action from the B.C. Liberals and says the party's future inclusion in Pride parades could be impacted by this issue. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The mayor of Summerland is condemning an apparent hate crime in her community. The Lakey family had their home vandalized Monday night. Someone tossed rocks through windows and spray-painted graffiti, including swastikas and hateful words. The Indo-Canadian family has lived here for three decades and runs a local cherry orchard. Summerland's first black mayor says underlying racism is something the Okanagan Valley community needs to talk about. Sickened, really, that a family that had been here for so long and had never experienced this had such a, uh, a violation of their uh, personal property. We've had people stopping by, apologizing. People came up the street crying and they're like, this isn't what Summerland's about. As RCMP continued to investigate, the Lakeys are seeing an outpouring of support from the community. 
Many people offering to help with cleaning and painting over the hateful graffiti. Still ahead, BC innovators helping artists find audiences. And I had no idea what to charge for tickets, and I thought, why not ask the audience? Local companies invent digital platforms that make the most of the COVID crisis, sometimes accidentally. And giant stingrays swimming near a Florida beach. And that's not the only incredible thing the drone captured. Here we are at the end of the line for this three-car crash that's much further east on Highway 1 near 260 for three lanes of traffic merging into one and backed up solid from 232nd. The all-electric 2020 Chevrolet Bolt EVLT offers an estimated 417-kilometer range and up to $10,729 in total credits during employee pricing. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway One in Langley. CMP have responded to a story we ran on Tuesday about a complaint from a woman who says she was sexually assaulted by a stranger who entered her apartment and how police handled the call. In a statement sent to Global News, Staff Sergeant Cale Paul says the 2015 complaint was investigated and in 2019, I found the officer was negligent for not taking a statement from her at the time so as to preserve and document what she originally told police. Additionally, in 2019, White Rock RCMP forwarded a report to the BC Prosecution Service for review and charge assessment. The RCMP uses a victim-centered approach which does not include telling a victim of a crime to move. A victim should not have to change their residential situation to avoid the behavior of an offender. The University of Victoria is warning students about a potential predator on campus. Notices have been posted on trails after a possible cougar sighting in Mystic Vale this morning. UVic is urging people to be cautious while walking in wooded areas and to call security if they see the big cat. Cougars are sometimes seen on campus in the summer months and are most active at dawn and dusk. We are continuing our Believe BC series tonight, shining a spotlight on the innovative ways people in BC have adapted to the new demands created by the pandemic. Tonight, Aaron MacArthur shows us the digital innovations helping to keep musicians and artists on stage and getting paid even while venues are empty. Hiding how it feels inside. The musicians are playing to empty halls. Since March, no one has been able to go to shows, putting thousands of people out of work. Now a group of industry professionals has launched Sound On. With funding from government and the private sector, the shows will go on line. The byproduct is that we're actually getting people working. We're getting the venues opening. We're getting technicians and filmmakers and uh, uh, sound guys and, and you know, venue managers. Uh, we're, again, we're not, no one's getting rich, but we're getting a little bit of money into people's pockets. This weekend, Faded Festival will give up its traditional Holland Park location and instead play at celebrities to a limited live audience, but mostly online. Where all things turn to and for the rest of the summer, similar events will be hosted across BC, many supporting charities. One of the most ambitious projects will be produced at the Kulch, partnering the VSO with a very non-traditional Pride Festival. And this was an opportunity to come together to create something really special. This is the first official VSO collaboration with people in the flesh. There are other innovations in the online space for artists. We Show Up was built by Khalil Ashante, 
The platform allows audiences to watch performances from the comfort of their own couch and pay what they think it was worth. The code written before COVID, but the pandemic has boosted uptake. We also had opportunities to reach even bigger audiences. So we also have festivals. We, we tripled the number of, of users on our platform. Who knows if performing arts will ever look the same as they did in 2019. But judging by what's happening in the new normal, it might not matter as long as people are watching and performers are making a living. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Straight ahead, a monumental moment in the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it's something that's incredible for the movement. The BLM protester now standing tall instead of a fallen statue. Also coming up, new grim benchmarks in the U.S. COVID crisis. This program is brought to you in part by Believe BC. Together is now. Traffic is steady here at the Alex Fraser Bridge in both directions. Minor slowdowns north and south. Keep in mind there's lane closures overnight for maintenance from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. The all-electric 2020 Chevrolet Bolt EDLT offers an estimated 417-kilometer range and up to $10,729 in total credits during employee pricing. Interest Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Flash flooding and landslides have killed at least 16 people and displaced hundreds of others on an island in Indonesia. Search and rescue crews are still looking for survivors who might be stuck in the mud. Heavy rain has inundated three nearby rivers for several days. The situation often made worse by deforestation. A statue of a Black Lives Matter protester has replaced a British monument dedicated to a 17th century slave trader. The new sculpture, titled A Surge of Power, was erected before dawn today. It was created in the likeness of Jen Reed. In early June, Reed, a protester, was photographed on the pedestal after demonstrators pulled down the statue of Edward Colston and dumped it in the harbor. The toppling of his statue is part of a worldwide reckoning with racism sparked by the death of George Floyd back in May. I think it's something that's incredible for the movement. It's, you know, it just shows what can come out of, out of a protest and how you know, it's moving forward. It's, it's talking about people educating themselves as to why we have a Black Lives Matter movement. So, yeah, I think it's a great day for Bristol. I think it's a great day for Black Lives Matter. The Colston statue has been fished out of the harbour. It is to be placed into a museum, along with placards from the Black Lives Matter demonstration. The future of the plinth and what is installed permanently is still up in the air. Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Bill Gates, all among the high-profile victims of a massive Bitcoin hack on Twitter. The tweets all have the same ask, to send bitcoins. The Biden campaign said Twitter locked down the account immediately following the breach and removed the related tweet. The scammers tricked at least a few hundred people into transferring the cryptocurrency. It's being called one of the most visible cyber scams in Internet history. Twitter posted a statement saying they are aware of the incident and they are investigating and working to fix it. Florida and California hit disturbing new benchmarks today in the COVID-19 pandemic. This as more states are rolling back reopenings and the push to mandate masks in public grows. Even one of the biggest U.S. retailers is requiring all customers to wear one by next week. 
Tonight, inside hospitals in the nation's biggest cities. I myself prepare for every shift um, like it's war. And in some of our country's smallest communities, healthcare providers are overrun by a record surge in COVID patients. The coronavirus now spreading faster than at any time in the pandemic. Florida surpassing 300,000 cases, a benchmark already eclipsed by California. And the sad thing is it could be avoided if people wore masks. Now cities like Montgomery, Alabama, are being crushed by a tidal wave of patients, also taking a toll on doctors. I get pretty emotional by this. With 22 states setting daily records for new cases this month, tonight there's a push to mandate face masks in public. Despite resistance or outright defiance, you're, you're I coming feel close to me. You're coming close Back to me. Last week, Oklahoma's governor said he would not mandate face masks. Today, he confirmed he's become the first governor to catch the virus. So did Dr. Daniel Lewis, infected in March while attending a hospital meeting about COVID in Tennessee. It's scary at age 42 to be recording voice memos on your phone that your children could hopefully have if you don't come back out of the hospital. With several regions struggling to expand testing, in Utah, a nursing home patient died while waiting in a vehicle for one. Now more states are re-implementing restrictions on crowd sizes and closures. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles. Street artist Banksy is using his art to spread a message about masks. In a video posted to Instagram, Banksy hops aboard the London Underground, the tube, and spray paints some rats. One is sneezing, another is using a mask as a parachute, and a third is holding hand sanitizer. The art was short-lived. London Transit confirming they removed it because it goes against their strict anti-graffiti policy. In Health Matters tonight, a Prince George mother fighting stage four kidney disease is desperate for a transplant. She had a donor all lined up before she gave birth to her fifth child last year. But because of a rare event during her pregnancy, that kidney is no longer compatible. Ethan Reddy of CKPG explains. A mother of five has been fighting for her life since 2015 when she was diagnosed with stage four chronic kidney disease. She's been undergoing treatment since, but now she is in need of a new kidney. If I don't get a donor soon, we're talking about a, a PD, hemodialysis. It's like a one I could do at home so I could be with my kids. Because the dialysis I'm doing right now, it takes about four hours in total. And that's three times a week. In 2019, things changed for Trina and her family. She was pregnant. However, doctors advised to not keep the baby because of her health. Despite her health challenges, miraculously, Trina survived the pregnancy and Easton Newski was born on September 28th. He was premature, but is now a healthy and energetic boy. During the pregnancy, however, function of Trina's kidneys went from 12% down to six and her mother feels helpless. I just want Trina to that she can live a normal, happy life and she can see her, her kids graduate and live lives of their own and be there for them. Prior to her pregnancy, Trina had a donor lined up. Her cousin Alberta had gone through the rigorous and thorough testing required to be matched and accompanied her to Vancouver. However, in a rare occurrence, Trina's blood type changed during pregnancy, making Alberta's kidney no longer acceptable. 
Trina's case was so extraordinary, med students were brought into her room regularly to ask questions. Very disappointed because I really wanted to do this for Trina. <laughs> um, yeah, so just knowing the fact that there's like that I, I could actually have done something to help her and I'm really hoping and that other people will step forward that they would they would go and at least get tested. Ethan Reddy, CKPG News. Up next, the pandemic causing a plastic crisis. Only 9% of plastics are recycled. How COVID-19 has set back the zero waste movement. And in sports, the Whitecaps find out if Disney World really is the happiest place on earth in their first game back since the pandemic hit. Give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News. BC Healthcare Heroes in partnership with Fortis BC, caring for the BC communities where we live and work. Check out these super sea creatures, giant stingrays in Florida. Usually they spend much of their time partially buried on the ocean floor, but this aerial footage shows them passing within feet of beachgoers who are apparently totally unaware, including one conspicuously, oh my goodness, very sunburnt bather. I haven't oh. seen that before and oh wow. Yeah, it's a shocker. Get that guy some aloe vera. No doubt. Well, one of the early casualties of the COVID pandemic was the growing movement away from single-use plastics and other disposable items. Up until March, ever more people had been switching over to reusable shopping bags and drink containers. And now the Surfrider Foundation wants to get that trend back on track. Linda Aylesworth reports. Since the arrival of COVID-19, the problem of plastic pollution has been pushed to the back burner. The provincial government was supposed to release their Clean BC Plastics Action Plan in the spring. The federal government was on track to ban a comprehensive list of single-use plastics by 2021. Not only have they been delayed, we seem to have lost any headway achieved in the fight against single-use plastics all in the name of safety. Well, I don't think we fully understood on the side of science on what was safe and what wasn't safe. So we went back to, we went back to what we knew. As a result, the use of sustainable alternatives like reusable shopping bags and beverage containers are banned by many businesses. But the Surfrider Foundation says such bans are unnecessary and cites a recent Greenpeace study to back up their claims. With over 125 health experts from 19 countries around the world stating that reusables are safe to use as long as they are washed. While the BC Centre for Disease Control does ban consumers from using their own containers for takeaway food, it leaves the use of reusable bags and beverage containers to the discretion of individual businesses. Many continue to err on the side of caution. And this has led to a surge in plastics that, you know, often are not recycled. They're ending up in landfills and again, they're ending up in public spaces and oceans. And so the Surfrider Foundation is asking businesses not to defy the rules, but to reconsider protocols that might be doing more harm than good. We also need people on the ground to be going to businesses and sharing the facts, saying that there are no cases of surface contact transmission, that reusables are safe. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. 
COVID-19 has resulted in most of us trying out Zoom by now, and that includes the Queen. What made her chuckle during this conversation right after Christie's forecast? We're so delighted to have her back in studio now. So let's check in with Christy, who's just a few feet over there, but yes. thrilled to see you in person for the first time in months, Christy. Thanks. It's great to be back and see all of you as well. It's been a really nice uh, welcoming, so thank you to everyone today. I wish I was outside, though, I'll tell you that. It was a great one today. Barely a cloud in the sky, and things really heated up. Look at this. Port Alberni hitting 30 degrees, 32 in a Soyuz. The heat is going to subside a little bit for the next couple of days, but don't worry. It'll come back just in time for the weekend. But in the meantime, this front is going to shift down really weak weakening as it does, but certainly a transition for us to more with more cloud cover across the south coast and a slight chance of showers. Now, best chance of seeing that rain will be east of Prince George down through the Columbia region uh, with that risk of thunderstorms, but we'll see significant rain in through these northern regions before that front weakens. So look at this difference from Prince Rupert over the next 48 hours getting 40, 45 millimeters. Bella Coola will get close to 20 and Vancouver nothing. So it really does weaken as it shifts south but certainly we will see a change. It's one of those days where I wouldn't leave home without a rain jacket just in case. But across the north, periods of rain touching down into Williams Lake and Kamloops. Certainly the Columbia region will see that as well. Most areas further south, though, dry and sunny, except for the south coast. Cloudy skies expected tomorrow, and it will linger on Friday. We'll certainly see some breaks of blue sky, but not the sunshine that we've been enjoying over the last couple of days. And you can note the slight chance of showers. Over the weekend, though, yes, we heat up, and we are expecting temperatures away from the water to reach that uh, upper 20s region. And here's a look at cost in Northern Lights and the Neowise uh, Comet. Thank you to Greg for that one. That was, of course, from Monday night. Amazing. Thank you so much, Christy. Beautiful. Well, the Queen is adjusting to the new normal just like everyone else by jumping on a Zoom call. This one with members of the British Armed Forces. So how do you train? Uh, so, uh, during the lockdown, unfortunately, with all the gyms and everything closed, oh, yes. we to sort of resort to unorthodox sort of training methods. So, I've been uh, pushing a car up and down the street. I've had to make a gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that's one way to train. <laughs> that's definitely one way to train. Certainly is. It's good to see she's able to keep her sense of humor during the lockdown. She spoke with three members stationed across the world, including one who hasn't seen his family since 2019. And Jan Wayne Stevens there is also a member of the British, uh, the Jamaican bobsleigh team. Oh, really? Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. All right. A squat. We're all in the same I was going to say, tonight. I wasn't here yesterday. Were you here, Christy, yesterday? No. Today's okay, the so we're, now we're all, it's so 2019, <laughs> we're all back together again. Mm -hmm. Far oh. apart, but at least we're in the same building now. That's right. Uh, Quinn Hughes, no surprise. Quinn Hughes is a finalist for the NHL's Rookie of the Year Award. Here's Pearson to the line. Hughes scores! And it'll be a close vote against Colorado's Kale McCarr, but if Hughes wins, that would be two straight Rookie of the Year awards for Vancouver. Also tonight, unsettled sleep. Are you dealing with that? How the pandemic can play tricks on your mind. And step by step, sports returns. Yes, the Whitecaps are getting to play soccer in a bubble tonight. Their first game in this MLS tournament. They're facing San Jose. Vancouver's group is... San Jose, Seattle, and of course Chicago had to replace Dallas. 
And the Caps are playing this tournament without Lucas Cavallini and Freddie Montero. They both decided not to go because of concerns about COVID-19 and probably the state of Florida as well, where the tournament is being held. So here are the Caps, back to work after a long time without playing games. Everyone takes a knee before, and then Ali Adnan gives Vancouver a 1-0 lead, and this is a nice goal. Coming all the way from his left back position and fires this one. Far corner, Vancouver also has an own goal that went their way 2-0 in the first half against San Jose. Quinn Hughes has been named the finalist for Rookie of the Year along with Colorado's Kale McCarr and Chicago's Dominic Kubalik. No, off, no offense, I should say, to Kubalik, who did score 30 this year, but he has no chance to win this. It's between Hughes and McCarr. Both players have strong arguments for winning it. Quinn Hughes' importance cannot be overstated. Just look at the power play. With him this season, Vancouver was fourth best. Without him last season, they were 22nd. If Hughes wins the Calder Trophy, the Canucks would be the first team since the Bruins in 67 and 68 to win two in a row. Elias Pettersson, of course, won it last year, and actually the year before, Brock Besser finished second in the voting, so it was almost three in a row. And having those two young stars around helped Hughes a lot in his first year. It's really easy, especially coming in, and you know guys have done it before you, and um, I was roommates with PD, so, you know, we're on the road, and, you know, if I have a bad game, he's always supportive, and um, we're always supporting each other, so I think it was just easy coming in and, um, having his experience and, uh, you know, we talk about it quite a bit and same with Bess. So, um, and then off the ice, just having young guys around makes it more fun and we're all pretty close. So, um, pretty lucky to have these guys here. But the Calder vote could go just as easily to Colorado's Kale McCarr. He didn't score as many points as Quinn Hughes, but that's because he was hurt and didn't play as many games. The only thing you can be sure about in the Calder Trophy race is whoever wins it is not going to win it by much. Now, nobody expects Jack Rathbone to be the next Quinn Hughes. Rathbone was signed by the Canucks yesterday to a contract. He is a draft choice of Vancouver. He did show a lot of promise, though, playing for Hartford in the NCAA, where scouts who watched him said he already has an NHL-ready point shot. Rathbone down low. Rathbone, one-timer score! Obviously, I was pretty confident in, uh, in my abilities here to try and make the jump now. And, um, but I think there are a lot of factors with kind of the uncertainties of school and um, that going online and kind of the uncertainty of whether college hockey is going to happen here. Now that Jack Rathbone is under contract, the plan is to get him here in Vancouver as soon as Wednesday. Rathbone's a top four defenseman that's been in the making for a couple seasons now. And when you look at the current left side of the Canucks blue line, it's very easy to envision him sliding into the roster sooner than later. That definitely played a role in it. Um, I'm excited for, for the opportunity to try and go out and earn a roster spot and um, make the decision hard for them. But um, it's, it's my dream. It's the best league in the world. So I'm, I'm excited for, for this journey. Sweezy can't clear it. Rathbone, slap pass. Walking away from a Harvard education wasn't an easy decision. But in so doing, Jack promises mom he'd one day go back to school and finish off his degree. Now the education of becoming a full-time NHLer begins. And consider that journey well underway after Jack put up 31 points in 28 games for Harvard this past season. 
it's less nervousness and more excitement. Um, I mean, I, I, I've said it before. It's just you, you work towards every day trying to get to that next level, and um, it's finally here, and uh, there's there's no level above this one. So um, I'm really excited to kind of get things going, but no, less, less nervousness and more just um, ready to get things going. Well, how about this? Two of the three coaches nominated for Coach of the Year in the NHL are both former Canuck bosses. In fact, one replaced the other. John Tortorella now with Columbus. Elaine Vigneault now with Philadelphia. will face off against the Bruins. Bruce Cassidy for the Jack Adams Award. Both Vigneault and Tortorella have won this trophy before. There you go. We let them fly and they... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we wish them well. All right, here's uh, Andrew now with a look at what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. Thanks, Chris. Small business owners in North Vancouver are hoping this latest stretch of warm weather will bring a much-needed boost to business as they try to stay afloat during the pandemic. With the open street concept in place, restaurants and pubs along Lower Lawnsdale have been able to expand their capacity outdoors while still following social distancing guidelines. Customers are coming back, but will it be enough to keep some of the hardest-hit stores from closing their doors? That story and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie. All right, sounds good, Anne. Thank you. Our salute to healthcare heroes up next, and then we'll dig into what those COVID-19 dreams, or nightmares maybe, really mean. Well, the importance of continuing to do our part during the COVID-19 pandemic to stop the spread of this virus can't be understated, or overstated, I guess <laughs> what I meant to say. Either or. <laughs> Nor can the work of our BC healthcare heroes on the front lines of this crisis, and it is time to recognize another one of your nominations. Tonight's comes to us from Quantine Wong, who is the manager of laboratory operations at the BC Centre for Disease Control. And his nomination is a big one. He would like to recognize all the staff at the BC Centre for Disease Control Public Health Lab. Since January, the medical, scientific and operational leads at the BC CDC have been working tirelessly in anticipation of COVID-19 arriving in BC. This leadership group meets several times a week to strategize, plan and carry out BC's response to the pandemic. The BC CDC also helped to establish testing and laboratories across all BC health authorities and at BC's private laboratory partner Life Labs. By mid-March, testing had reached an all-time high, requiring all hands on deck to deal with the unprecedented workload. Quantine credits all BC CDC's staff for rising to the challenge of battling this disease outbreak, working tirelessly with supreme dedication to deal with the testing volumes. Quantine gives kudos to all the teams at the BC CDC Public Health Lab, and you are all his healthcare heroes. And he says we will collectively work together to prepare for the next phase of COVID-19 and all the challenges it may bring. And a reminder, if you have a BC Healthcare Hero you'd like to see recognized, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Send a few pictures and some details about why they're your hero and we might feature them next. Many, many thanks. Mm -hmm. All right, well, many of us have been feeling stressed and anxious in recent weeks due to the pandemic. And new Harvard research indicates COVID-19 is also affecting us at night in our dreams. Global Suling Go reports. Usually people like falling out or getting hurt. Not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty scary dreams. It almost like brought back like sense of dreams I had when I was a kid where I felt like almost like everyone thought like the world was ending. 
Harvard researcher Deirdre Barrett has collected people's pandemic dreams in a book. Since March, more than 4,000 people have sent her details about 9,000 dreams. At the beginning, I saw a lot of, of fears about catching the virus. Dr. Barrett says she's noticed common themes and a change as the pandemic went on. Early dreams were about scary symptoms and being attacked by bugs. And all kinds of bugs, like bees and hornets flying at the dreamer, armies of cockroaches running at them. Tsunamis and earthquakes also showed up, all symbols of anxiety and feeling out of control. So we're really just thinking about the same things we do by day in in a very different kind of language state that's more imagery and drama and more emotional, less logical. Later dreams were about lockdown, being thrown in jail, followed by physical distancing dilemmas with no one wearing a mask. Parents dreamed about homeschool. One mom described this nightmare. She got a message from the child's school saying that the child's entire class was being sent to her apartment and she needed to homeschool the, the whole class for the rest of the pandemic. And while early reopening dreams were about freedom, the most recent ones are fearful. One woman dreamed it was her first day back at work and her office, which otherwise looked like her real office, had this filthy carpet. Dr. Barrett says, pay attention to your dreams. You may be more stressed than you realize. Over the next year, she expects more people to envision vaccines in their sleep, a dream we all hope will soon come true. Here, here. That boring like, dreams uh, the, are better. The needle thing, that's going to give me nightmares. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, it, oh, that's going to give me nightmares. What does it mean when you have a boring dream? Because I, I have boring dreams. <laughs> Everything is all is like, good. I'm in the dream, and I'm thinking to myself in the dream, wow, this is really boring. boring. <laughs> but does it make you actually more sleepy and you stay in bed longer because well, your dream I was feel so boring? Like, I feel like I'm being ripped off. Like at, <laughs> when you dream, it should be... A good point. You should be flying or right? doing something interesting. I never have boring dreams. I don't know what you guys are talking about. (laughs) And you do not have a boring forecast either for the next few days. That's right. So a bit of excitement tomorrow with more cloud cover, a slight chance of showers, but we rebound probably late Friday, and that takes us right through the weekend, everyone. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. That's all the time we have for tonight. Enjoy that beautiful evening. Good night, all.